Yo, what the deal, B. Bercago? This is your boy, Kylie Fathoms. This is the Spawn on Me podcast, episode 335, coming to you live from Bercago. We are the premier podcast spotlighting people of color in the video game industry, and I'm very, very happy to be rocking with you this week and every week. Thank you so much to everybody who came through tonight here in podcast land, Twitch land, and in all the places and spaces that you reside. It is a wonderful week. It has been a really dope one so far. Um, huge thank you to everyone who was amazingly kind <laughs> uh, over the past, you know, 72 to, to, to 96 hours after watching last week's episode, uh, which was a pretty heavy one. Um, to, to be clear, it was, it was definitely something that was he- uh, heartfelt and, um, um, it was nice, uh, to, for people to kind of rally around that with their commiseration around all the stuff that they kind of see and ha- that's happening in the world and, and feeling like we had a space here where I could share those genuine emotions with you all. And you all could share those things back with me. Um, so it was, it was really nice to be able to, um, have that as a have this as a place that we could do that work with and also, you know, uh, talk, talk some truth to power. I think that's always really important. And that's something that we should continue to be doing um, in all the spaces that we do. And just because we run a video game show does not mean that we can't be real about the the real world that's happening around us at all times. So if you if you understand that that's a part of the deal, when you come to Chicago, then, then we Gucci uh, with all that good stuff. So with that being said, I am very excited about this week's show. Uh, I have been waiting to snag this cat to rock with us this week for a very long time. Um, one of the folks who uh, I think of when I think of like the up and coming uh, folks in the industry who are going to carry this thing forward um, and kind of make dope strides everywhere they go uh, and everything they touch winds up being fantastic. Uh, so I'm super excited this week to bring GameSpot's own Michael Hyam rocking with us this week. What up, what up, what up to my man, my mellow, the smoothest kind of fellow. How are you doing, sir? How's everything going? Uh, damn, it's, uh, we were talking about this before uh, before we went live, but you know, we're, uh, we're managing. I am too, so uh, getting used to the sorts of things that we need to do, but I don't know, look, this is wild to me because uh, I've been listening to Spawn on Me. Ka, you know this, I told you this many times. That- <laughs> Uh, I, I I really uh, appreciate what you what you do, and I, I tune in and uh, support uh, what you do because it's really important. And this is wild though, like to uh, to hear those words. The because uh, I used to listen when it was UC and Reef yeah. uh, back in like 2016 is when uh, Daniel Dwyer actually put me on y'all uh, because uh, GDC 2016. I remember this vividly. I was watching the lobby. Yeah. And I think you and Reef were on. Yep. And I was like, oh damn, uh, who are these dudes? And then that's because I watched GameSpot stuff all the time before I got to GameSpot. And I was like, okay, let me check out Spawn on me. And then it was a done deal from there. Uh, I really like I really like what you do, man. And uh, it's wild to be like, see my name, see my face next to the Spawn on me logo. <laughs> hearing you talk about me like that. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't know that fool. I don't know who you're talking about. What are you talking uh, about? It's very, it's very humbling. It's very humbling. Uh, right. This whole thing, like being video games, is, it's, it's wild, man. We're going to we're going to get to that specifically in a minute, yes. but I, I have to lodge you with some praise because, I, again, like one of the cool things about doing this show and and especially from the angle that we are kind of tackling, um, it, it, it means a lot to see dope cats kind of, you know, rising through the ranks, because I remember I saw you at I've seen you at multiple events over the years at this point. Um, but every time I see you, I'm like, 
oh, Mike is doing this now, or like Mike has added this to his repertoire, or he's starting to do this particular part of, of the, the gambit of, of, of gamut of things that you have learned to do within this industry. Um, so it, so it brings me a lot of joy to be able to see again, like young cats, like you, like striving to, to, to make it really good work in this space. And it, and it definitely keeps me on my, on my toes and makes me want to make sure I got my A game going. So thank you for doing all the wonderful work that you do in the space. Um, and for always being amazingly kind and, and always being, uh, super helpful about wanting to help us grow and, and share what we do, um, in all the spaces that we do. So, uh, thank you for that. Uh, 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 first off, um, you know, you talked a little bit about the, you know, how things are kind of working with COVID being in the space and, and how it's kind of changed up the way that, you know, you're doing your work and the folks at GameSpot are doing your work. How, besides the work part of it, how are you as you doing? Are you okay? Uh, I mentioned this earlier. It's it's kind of like uh, for a while. I don't know if I'm going to break out of this, but it reminds me of summer break when I was uh, in like middle school or something because I spent a lot of time inside uh, playing video games and uh, and all that. Um, but just going out every now and then to, you know, get my legs moving, uh, breathe some fresh air, which is kind of what I do now. Mm -hmm. Uh, but obviously it's a lot, it's a lot more dire than that because you need to be careful when you go outside and you need to be uh, choosy of when you go outside. Like I, I probably hit up my liquor store way too often at this point. (laughs) I'm always like, you know, um, just getting like toilet paper or whatever, getting drinks and, uh, (laughs) chips and like that. And then I go grocery shopping and all that stuff. But it's really wild to step outside and have to really think about that kind of stuff. And especially with the social distancing stuff, dude, I'm like, you know, some, some of these, like I live in West Berkeley and, uh, it is not the Berkeley that you think of when you think of the college. It's a very different part of town. And, Man, motherfuckers need to know how to keep their six feet, man. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, <laughs> but I, I think in a in a serious manner, though, I think it, it speaks to how a lot of folks aren't taking it seriously. Yeah, and that's unfortunate uh, because it's not it's not me that I'm worried about the most. Yeah, it's like. I was supposed to go to my homie's wedding back in March before it got canceled. Yeah. This is right when lockdown started happening. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is this is real. Uh, then I, when we start to understand what the effects of COVID-19 and all that and what it means for you and how you interact with people, mm-hmm. it's it started to settle in. And like, I mean, not to get on like a heavy note to start off this episode, but no, no. Uh, my mom uh, back home in San Diego, my mom is uh she's had a lot of medical problems she's probably the one of the most uh in the the crowd that's susceptible to you know covid-19 could have tremendous effects on um and uh, and like she's uh, stays at home a lot and all that so she goes to dialysis and all that she's very mm. careful about those sorts of things but the thing for me is that i can't know if i'm immune if i'm immune to it if i have it and i'm just not feeling the effects yeah I can't, I can't talk, I can't visit her. Like I was supposed to visit her. I want to go fly there, chill with my mom. I can't do that. I don't know when I can do that. And it's heartbreaking, man. And I'm one of the many people who are stuck in that predicament. Uh, and starting to see a lot of like, this is affecting a lot of people uh, immediately. Like my Twitter timeline with like folks I connect with is like, man, it's, it's really unfortunate. Uh, but you know, not to be a downer, but we try and manage. We still yeah. try and do the things that we enjoy, uh, make things as normal as possible, and uh, abide by 
the guidelines so we can get through this thing and actually get back to our normal lives. So if yeah. you're listening, like, I don't need to wear a mask. Oh, I'm just, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to go to a bar or restaurant right now because I don't give a fuck. Like, nah. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like help me help you yeah the, that's the, the one of the most frustrating parts of all of this right now is like i have some folks i have some some it's like everyone i know at this point has either caught covid or has you know someone in their family has caught covid or I, you know i know at least four or five people who have had people within their circles have passed away like it is, it is a devastating, devastating pandemic that we're in. And like just seeing Wisconsin today and cats just being in bars, chilling next to each other, dapping it up and hanging out. And I'm like, yo, y'all are wilding the hell out right now. And I don't not understand. The good, not, not the good kind of wilding out. No, either. it's not the good wild out. And it was funny because I'm not going to, I'm not going to front and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be real. I'm going to keep it all 100 with you. I'm going to keep it 100 with everybody in Chicago. Like we've seen the protests where folks are like, yo, I want to get my, 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 my haircut and I need to go to uh red lobster and get my stuff. And I'm not going to front them cats don't look like us. And I'm not going to say, <laughs> I'm not going to be like, yo, I'm oh, not going, I'm going to keep God. it a hundred. And the thing was like this, at first I was like, all right, we kind of understand what, what the problem is. And we see, you know, the folks who are habitual line steppers are continue to step over lines. And then I saw in Dallas today, Cass was chilling in the club, chilling. And I was like, so it's not. So like when we think about the, 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 the line steppers right now, this joint is across the board. It's not just a group of folks that we would usually expect to be like, I'm going to do what I want. It's not that it's yeah. everybody walling out right now on some yeah. stuff that they shouldn't be doing. But to bring it back to. Well, first of all, I'm happy you're okay. I'm hoping that, I'm happy that your family's doing, you know, okay under the circumstances and all that. Cause that's to me, that's the most important part, but, yeah. um, I want to dig back into, you know, how you kind of started in the game. Because I think, again, one of the things that we always want to talk about here is like, you don't have to be on the dev side to get into, into the industry. You don't have to be front of camera to get on in, in the industry you found ways to be able to do that work and, and be really good at it. But the initial steps, I'm sure were not the ones that usual, usually people think of. So go, go over a little bit of like how you kind of started in the game, where you started at, and then how you kind of uh, got into GameSpot. Sure. Yeah. It, I think my path is one of the least common or I it's, it's not the traditional way of what you hear, uh, how you hear people, uh, Break into break into the industry. Yep. Uh, sorry, my my cat's gonna be wiling out right here. She's got like toys and stuff. So no doubt, no, you're good. <laughs> um, but so I was a fan of GameSpot at like 11 or 12 years old, and <laughs> folks like Jeff Gersman, Brad Shoemaker, Jason Ocampo, like those are my guys because I I was in the library as I searched a uh, video game website. <laughs> first one to pop up. So back in the day, they had mad SEO. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I got on GameSpot. I was like, "Oh, I like this, the the site's layout. How about I use this to read and watch videos or whatever?" Mm. Um, and that's how I came across those names. Uh, and I always like those are my those are my dudes. That's my that's my go to website for so long. And but I never I always thought of it as like, "Oh, that's I'm you know I, I I'm never gonna get there. Uh, that I that's not for me. Or I I would like to do that, but it's so rare." 
that I'm not going to be one of those people who get to work in uh, that line. Um, so, uh, but like, of course, I played video games since I was a kid and, and uh, I love it all. But I studied uh, political science in college and mm. I got my degree and I did some political reporting and then I eventually became a political consultant. So back home in San Diego, I managed campaigns, political campaigns, uh, both locally and statewide. Uh, that means so a lot of politicians are old. They don't know how to use the Internet. Mm-hmm. And then we were young and we knew how to use the Internet. So basically the exchanges were my boss had connections. all And he, his, his exchanges with them was like, look, we're young. We understand the Internet. Give us money and we'll take care of you. So that's kind of how we were able to make our uh, make our moves. Uh, and luckily, I was in a place that was doing that sort of thing right when I graduated. So I got involved mm. with the 2012 campaign, uh, did all kinds of things for uh, teachers union, uh, Democratic candidates and uh, causes uh, for California and all that. Um, I was a writer. That was my main thing. I was, I was like a convincing writer, mm. uh, I guess. Uh, yeah. And that was that was my line of work. Uh, and eventually moved to different areas like the defense industry and all that. So here, okay, so here's when we get to the getting into GameSpot part. It's a long-winded way to get there, but trust me. <laughs> no, it's good. It's all you're, good. you're good, you're good. Um, so I was working in the defense industry and that's like military contracts and all that. So yep. I had two screens. I had dual screens, all right? Uh, and I was a technical editor at the time. So I was still working with words, writing, editing, giving feedback and doing all that, that, that sort of, that sort of thing. Um, so I had two, two screens. I had my work on one and I had GameSpot giant bomb videos on the other. <laughs> and so the screen that was facing away from the entrance to my cubicle is where I'd be having, I had the bomb cast, I had the lobby on, uh, I was checking my Twitter feed on my phone, <laughs> which you were not supposed to be doing. No. Uh, cause it's like security clearance and all that stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I was scrolling through my Twitter feed and our uh, editor in chief had tweeted out a position at GameSpot I said, Hey, huh. we're hiring a contractor to cover uh, tech related stuff. And for me, I grew up, uh, or I was in tune with PC gaming. So I knew how to build computers and all that stuff. So I was like, I know this from the, like the back of my mind. Or the back of my hand, it's like definitely up my alley because uh, yeah. I've been doing it for, or I've been keeping up with it for such a long time. Um, so I apply. I'm like, dude, I, I'm a writer. I know PC tech stuff. So why not give a shot? And I'm just like filling out my resume while I'm watching the lobby and shit. Like, like I said, Danny O'Dwyer is my guy. Uh, and then I got the offer. So the thing was, though, that's crazy. Yeah, the thing is that, I mean, technically, it was a step back in terms of like paying benefits and all that stuff because sure. i was working for a big defense industry and they was like i had my own apartment i was getting taken care of it was all good um but i had to move to san francisco which mm. is way more expensive than san diego for a job that was paying me less at the time and i was like boy this is <laughs> i i can't say no though like to work at GameSpot, that's wild you can't say no yeah so the, the the common thread is that I was always a writer and an editor, uh, and un- I mean it's not I wouldn't say unfortunately, but you know I had to kind of make the compromise of like I'm not going to get like a senior level position because mm. uh, I've never been in the games industry. So to get my start, I need to kind of take myself down a notch, um, and I was willing to accept that, and that's and from there I was like okay now I can work my way up, 
mm. uh, to where I am now. And I, I wouldn't have had it any other way, man. It's, it was hard moving yeah. to San Francisco. I, I ain't know no, nobody, man. It's, it was tough. I was bouncing between Airbnbs. The housing market is trash out here in the Bay area. Yeah. Oh my God. It's uh so, um, but uh, there was a lot, a lot of folks at GameSpot who helped me out, man. Like shouts out to uh, Jake Decker and Mike Mahardy. Yeah. I think they were, they were instrumental in getting me a place to fucking live. Uh, so I'll, for, I'll forever be grateful to them for that. Um, uh, but then from there, like scraping by because I wasn't getting paid much, but rent's mm-hmm. high, bus fares, all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but eventually it's kind of like I did my work. I was myself. Yep. I got on camera. Uh, I tried my best. Like I think I'm good, uh, but I want to be great. Not yep. there yet, mm-hmm. but I, I think I can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what kind of drives me every day. And like it's it's led to such wild things, man. Like they had me on the E3 stage hosting at the E3 live stage mm-hmm. down on the floor uh, last year at E3. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing here, yo? Like, <laughs> I used to watch like, game, I used to watch GameSpot's uh, E3 DVDs back in the day. Yes. Uh, and then now I'm out here on the live hosting stage, the, the stage show when there's like hundreds of people passing by. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Also, don't <laughs> fuck up because we're going live in five seconds. <laughs> Uh, don't don't have that hot it. take that you had that hot take in your yeah, pocket for like, a very um, long time. Uh, it's your boy Michael, and uh, welcome back to our live show. Also, uh, I don't know, watermelon is trash. Yo, which, which I don't believe you wrong for that. Wow, wow. I you know what? You are wrong for that. If there was one thing that I would have loved to have said on an E three stage, it would have been your watermelon is trash. <laughs> Like I would, I would straight be like, "Yo, f all you watermelon loving mother suckers out here! Y'all have bad taste buds. Your taste buds are faulty. You need to get them just checked and removed and swapped out because the joint is garbage. Ghost fruit is trash. <laughs> Ghost fruit. Uh, but besides I, the watermelon, that's how I that's how, that's how I came up <laughs> out here. But here's the, okay. So you've been a GameSpot for how long now at this point? Three and a half years. Oh, yeah. Really? It's years. only been three and a half years. Only. That's... I was thinking. Well, it, it, it is it is wild, though, because like, I think about all the things that I have done. Yeah. And I think about who I was in like 2016 into who I am now. It's almost a night and day. Yeah. Um, and three, like three and a half years. I remember like, I don't know, between 2012 and like 2015, I was like, oh, I wasn't all that different. But between like... 2017 or whatever till now like night and day it's the, the the industry what i'll say real quick is that this industry or at least being in media is not all about games it's mm-hmm. it's not all about video games i've learned so much about the world and people like i think uh i learned a lot about lgbtq issues mm-hmm. through games media uh connecting with a lot of people who like I follow just people on Twitter who's like, oh, I think they're dope. And then it turns out that they they speak a lot about, you know, race relations, uh, especially within the industry and within media. And I just I've learned a lot from so many of the people that I've associated with through the games industry. So mm-hmm. a lot of the growth that has happened to me isn't necessarily like, oh, I'm a better on camera on camera host. I'm a better writer. Uh, but it's just like learning about what certain things mean, like. 
the game games media radicalized me and i'm i'm <laughs> in a way like i'm, I'm thankful for I that i kind of love that because i like i found like i'm about like i've always been about that life but i wasn't really like sure or outwardly out there even though i was involved in politics yeah it was still like a world i was i was young i was like maybe I, I just don't know everything so maybe everybody's right a little bit in their own way but now i'm like no nah, fuck that i'm very sure of what i believe in uh because there's a lot of folks who have sp- spoken to uh those issues and painted them in a way that you know makes sense to me and uh but yeah that's kind of uh a lot of the growth that happens to people in, in games media has sometimes it's just not about games. I, I mean, one of the things I love hearing that as your perspective has been not only the fact that, you know, you said you've you said you've been in like three, three plus years, which to me still boggles my mind. Because, again, like I think I think I, I think I met you fairly early on at first when you were kind of just starting out in the space, too. Mm-hmm. And again, it's that like um that consistent level of growth, right? Where it's like, oh, I see Mike at this event now. Oh, I see Mike on stage now. Oh, I see Mike <laughs> on a pit, like on a show on GameSpot that's a daily yeah. show doing this work. Like it's not easy to grind your way in an industry that definitely, absolutely has spots that are kind of designated for folks. And it is very mm-hmm. difficult to supplant somebody from a spot where they've had it for a very long time. So that tells me a lot about not only your work ethic, but the fact that people understand your worth as a person on a team. Um, so that's that's actually really interesting, though, because I swore you were at GameSpot for at least six already. Um, <laughs> no, sir. For real, you, I, swore, I swore you were at GameSpot for at least six already. <laughs> um, so that's interesting to, to, to note. Um, what's one of the things I think, you know, we as folks who are in the industry proper um i I know i I know i from for sometimes sometimes have taken things for granted in some spaces where it's just like oh well i should be here or i should be doing this or one of those other things and i think even a step removed from that conversation you then have the public and um the consumer side of the the industry that have a have an idea of what we do but don't really understand the minutia of how everything kinds of kind of works within the space. What's the thing now that when you went from uh, before you were in the industry to now being in it for a while, you know, looking back at your former self, what was the thing that you thought of that you thought you knew that totally was a misconception after you wound up getting into the industry? I don't know, man. I think, uh, I think for me now, the, the wildest thing is that, uh, the popularity, like the, I would say not, not the necessarily the popularity contest. I would say that, um, like folks, no matter how many followers or how prestigious they might be, uh, they're still like people. So when I see them at these events and now that I can like call them friends and stuff, it's like, it's it's wild how much easier it is to network Mm. in it is in games industry because going into, I was like afraid in a way because I knew a lot about these folks, but I always thought like, why would they give a fuck about me? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the necessary necessarily the background or the prestige as these folks, but they don't care. They're not, not that I thought they were stuck up, but I just thought like, Oh, I I can't, no, no, no. 
they're, they're like royalty. Not necessarily that I agree, but like I always thought that was impenetrable. Yeah, is what I'll say. But you you go to these events and you chop it up with uh, so many folks. Uh, I think it also helps that I like I can say that I'm with GameSpot and it, it's kind of an icebreaker. Yeah, which I know it's a privilege that not many folks have. Um, even though I was like, I was a contractor, I was like on the bottom tier of things. I could still say, Oh, I'm, I'm with GameSpot. What's up? Like, uh, and just how, how much fun it is to network because back when I was in politics, boy, networking was a chore. I did not (laughs) want to talk to nobody unless like, unless I saw like another like Filipino dude, I'd be like, Hey, what's up dog? I I I see that you're brown. Like let's form an alliance or something. Cause like. I can't front. It happens anytime I see any other black folks too. I'm like, yo, we gonna take this shit over, right? You know we could take this shit over if we if we get three more cats, yo. We could take this shit over. Uh, I feel you. I feel you though. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah, but I mean it's 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 been uh I think the networking part has been it's become exciting because I meet folks like you, dude. Like I like when we went to the the MK11 reveal event, yeah. Oh, hey, what's up, Kyle? Let's kick it. What yeah. do you think of the reveal and all that? Or when we were at PAX uh, last year, yeah. It's just kind of like we're in the media room and and there's like so many like Mike Williams from US Gamer, mm-hmm. Eric Van Allen from US Gamer, and then like folks at IGN that I that I know. And it's it it what the last thing I'll say is that it feels like high school again in the best possible way because I had like a very good high school experience. Yeah. I, all my friends, like we were all cut from the same cloth because we went to high school in our hood. It was all Filipinos, Mexican dudes, black dudes, uh, and all that. And we had like a sense of camaraderie, not necessarily the same degree in the games industry, but I think there's something, there's, there's a, there's a tie that binds us all. Yeah. Uh, and it's very easy to talk to folks. Uh, I was like at PAX when I went to the kind of funny, uh, the panel, the, the competition that they had, and okay beasts uh their panel too it's like mm-hmm. i think i recognize these folks let me just try and chop it up and from there it's like okay we're all homies now uh so mm-hmm. that's 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 the i think the most surprising part is the how great the social aspect of being in uh, games media has been yeah i you know what it, i'm happy you shared that because it uh, who, who told me this a long time ago sterling mcgarvey uh told me a long time ago when I, we first started to hang out cause I moved out to Portland <clears throat> about six years ago and Sterling had moved out here from the Bay, uh, probably like maybe two years prior to that. And he was in games media for a long time. He was over at games radar and some other places as well. And he started listening to the show and, and he was like, yo, if you're coming out here, like, yo, let's link up and, and talk. And he was like, you know, I was like, yo, I'm a rookie. I don't know what the hell's happening in the, in the game. Like, can you give me some good, <laughs> information about like how to kind of maneuver around this stuff. And he was like, yo, the thing that you will come away with at the end of all of this stuff is the people that you meet and become friends with in this industry are like pretty much solid people, right? Like Mm -hmm. mad solid people, like, you know, those will wind up being friends for life in some form or fashion because of how small the industry winds up being. Um, Yeah. And that smallness is a very tight knit community. So it's like one, don't talk shit because everyone knows. And Ooh, two, they gonna find out <laughs> if somebody gonna find out. And then two, like cherish the relationships that you wind up building in the industry and and, and building upon that kind of stuff. Um, I know, I know that the you know GameSpot and Giant Bomb folks kind of share the same offices. 
and 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 are in some similar spaces. Did you did you have like your oh snap I'm in the room with Jeff yeah, Gerson yeah, or, yeah. or or Brad? Because <laughs> I know when I first met them too, I was like, yo, this is Jeff Gersman right now. Yo, I'm talking to Jeff yeah. Gersman. What the deal be? Uh, what did you did you have any of those kinds of things too? I did, I did, and um, I think <laughs> yeah, it's 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 wild because like for me growing up six it was always like the people i looked up to i'll never meet them like hmm. they live in a different world and for us in my neighborhood like success was moving out and hmm. finding a full-time job if you did that everyone in in the hood was like oh damn homie made it <laughs> um, so when i went when i came to GameSpot, I'm like i'm living in a different world yeah and when i got on camera my my uh my homies be blowing up the text like yo 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 you're on a live stream and all that uh, so I was I was kind of shocked by the position I was in, and by extension, shocked by the people I was and able to surround myself with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, like not, I tried my best, like not to make it awkward because, like, I can imagine what it's like for them to be like, "Okay, oh, great, Gamespot hired this fucking fanboy who's uh, <laughs> creeping around the office." I was very conscious of that because, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be like that. Yeah. Uh, looking back, like I could have maybe done a better job, whatever. But uh, I think that time has kind of gone on. Like the the amount of work that I've done, the the certain things that I that I've been able to do at Gamespot, and just like crossing paths with them and catching up with them in the office and stuff, it's kind yeah. of uh, obviously normalized things. But I did have that moment, like, yo, you getting a soda right now? That's wild. <laughs> but you oh Diet Pepsi? Yeah, I remember on the on Boncast two like two hundred, you was drinking a Diet Pepsi. <laughs> like, you know, it's not like that it's not like that uh, but it was it, it's it's kind of it's humbling but like okay i'm i'm where i want to be like there's, yeah. there's i always tell myself like look this is it's still work what we mm. do at GameSpot uh is still a lot of work uh sometimes more so than uh previous jobs because when you incorporate passion you want to pour a lot more effort into it and that mm. can burn you out quite easily uh in a way it's like oh you're talking about video games like yeah but you know i'm trying very hard to make get this thing right and do as much as i can um uh shit where was i going with that uh blah, 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 blah. what was shit my bad yeah you, you're talking about the, the the kind of going through the process of kind of not not meeting your heroes but kind of like working your way through the process of like meeting some of those folks and then also working really hard to kind of maintain you know oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah my bad but like you we we kind of get ingrained in this sort of thing. And we realize that we're all kind of like striving for the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and then you build up that repertoire. You just become assimilated in it in a way that's like, it's not awkward anymore. It's because like, you know, we go to the same events. Like when I hit up the the couch at E3, I'm just like catching up. Like, oh, you went to that appointment? Oh, shit, I went to that point. Was it lit? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it's just kind of all of it flows so well now that... The folks that I would watch on live streams or videos, even like back in the old GameSpot days, it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, it's the homies now. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, it's it's still as much work as it is, like I said earlier, it's still, uh, I'm still, there's no other, no other place I'd rather be. Yeah, yeah. I, besides the meeting your, <clears throat> meeting your heroes in terms of the kind of uh, games media space, we all have a story of the person that we wanted to meet before we got into the in the in the, in the industry who's on the kind of creator and dev side um who who are some of the folks that you were just like 
I cannot believe that I had an interview with or got to cover or was rubbing elbows with at a party. Like who's, who was some of the folks <laughs> in that space? Uh, I think initially, so being at GameSpot, my tastes have changed like drastically. Huh. Uh, but I think I, I think back to Warren Spector. Yeah. Uh, he made, uh, obviously like was involved system shock, the Deus X, which was my favorite game for a very long time. Um, and I'd watch him on like G4. Like there's an episode of G4 called Icons or a show called yeah. Icons. It was an episode about Deus Ex and Warren Spector. And I was like, yo, this is my guy. He made like one of my, a couple of my favorite games of all time. So then I see him at like E3. I'm like, oh shit. What up? <laughs> like Deus Ex was dope. He's like, oh shit. You're like, thank you. I'm like what? What? That's wild. I can't believe you came up with that. Like that mission design, whatever. I love that. Whatever. Um, yeah. So many games, so many things I could pick up from that, but I think that I'm still very much a fan of a lot of things, and I I've, I've gotten in back in tune with a lot of Japanese games, and I've fell in love with a lot of different games. I think I'll use a Final Fantasy 14 as an example. Is mm. that that game means a lot to me, and I didn't start playing it until early last year, uh, but I can't. It's, it's it was kind of my way to understand final fantasy again because final fantasy four and six back when i was like five or six years old was formative uh for me yeah. and i love those games like final fantasy seven eight nine i eventually fell off my taste changed but then playing 14 was also a reminder of how much i did love final fantasy growing up so i met the director producer for an interview at like an event uh naoki yoshida yeah and i'm sitting there interviewing and i'm like this this dude, one, he's got great hair. Two, he dresses, <laughs> he dresses incredibly well. He has way too much like accessories and jewelry on, but it 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 works. He's making it work. Also, how how in the world did you and your team make this amazing game that I love so much, man? Mm. Uh, it, it's kind, of, it, it's weird though. So what I'll say is that it's weird to play the part of a writer journalist critic or whatever you want to call it yeah uh, but also being a fan because you don't want to bust up in an interview and be like yo 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 your your game is uh, you you changed my life bro like <laughs> no no one's doing that uh and no one wants to do that right uh so you want to keep obviously keep it professional because like we tend to be smarter people but uh yeah, it, it's it's still hard to like contain that excitement. I'm like, okay, yeah, when when you're thinking about this this certain design, what yeah. was the mentality? What did the design team think, uh, and all that? But also, I'm like, damn, right? Thank you, <laughs> right, 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 right. right. Wow, oh man, so that that's still a wild thing too. And uh, there's like I, at E3, I meet a lot of the. I have I get a point in a lot of the different interviews. So I met like Daisuke Sato, who was involved with the Yakuza series mm. a lot, and. Uh, Last year, I interviewed uh, uh, Toshiro Nagoshi, oh. who's the creator of the Yakuza series. And his presence, bro, okay, we did a live uh, segment with him. That dude's presence is intimidating as fuck. Is it really? Yeah. He just, because you can't get a read on him. Oh. He just rolls up, he just rolls up and he's he's got like <clears throat> swag dripping. He's, <laughs> dude's wearing, he's wearing like baller shorts with uh, like Under Armour leggings and what? a jean jacket. And he has like highlighted hair. He busts busts up in there and just looks around. And he's like, "Are right, we gonna do this?" But in Japanese, and, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, "Damn!" 
Wow. Oh, damn. And I, after the stage show, I was like, should I try and shake his hand or is that weird? Like, yeah, no, but he was, he was super cool, man. He's that show. See, yeah, that's, so a, that's I, think- I love those moments, right? Where it's just like, you don't know how to react to a person because it is that like, I love your work, but also I don't want to feel like I'm fanboying in front of you. It's yeah, so, cause I'm here so to do a job too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I have, a, I have a rep. You know what I'm saying? I got to make sure my rep is, is, is strong and I'm not, I'm not <laughs> fanboying in front of people. Um, yeah. in, Cause like in, for, for me, like I'm in this position to do work. Like I'm not here to have like, I guess I'll say like, I'm not here to have fun. I'm here to produce content for a website that pays me. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of like, that's the thing that you think of like, eh, you know, I can't, I can't be a fanboy because like I'm here for different reasons. Cause if, I wasn't doing my work. I wouldn't have this opportunity. So right. that's that's a, another thing I think of too when when those things kind of prop up. It's not that hard to kind of switch that that mentality, that mode. Uh, but you know, to be uh, conscious of it is very important. And I think most people in the media, in in media, in the games industry, understand that. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting because it kind of for folks who don't know the grind of working a show like even like a show like E three, right where. E3 is one of the hardest weeks of 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 any game coverage show that you can do. And I, I mean, y'all have a, a way bigger team than than we do here. But I still see everyone is on 11. Like everyone I see y'all and it's like, give somebody a high five, give somebody a dap. <laughs> and they're like, yo, I'll see you hopefully, maybe, hopefully. Because uh, yeah. I got three things to do. I got to go cut this video. I got to go get this audio. Um, and people don't understand just how much of a grind the you know covering a big show is um so it, it it even lessens that ability to kind of like step out of yourself and and go into that sure. kind of fanboy fanboy mode um <laughs> yeah because like i got a i got an appointment in 10 minutes and i gotta fucking go i gotta <laughs> like, run and now we got the public this- here so now i gotta it's run like, through them too yeah uh, it's like oh i got they're doing a signing there oh no nah, i can't go yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah 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 things like I, that yeah i remember the first time i got um I remember the first time uh, I went to an E3 proper when I didn't sneak in. Um, and and I remember the first conversation. I'm sure you probably got this too. They were like, yo, you can't take swag. Taking swag is a, is, is a, is a punk move. You can't take swag because <laughs> that makes it makes you feel like you're not a uh, professional. Um, but there's like all these like interesting like little hidden, you know, uh, unwritten rules uh, for being in press uh, besides the ones that we all kind of know. Uh, what's what's one that if you were going to share with a rookie coming into the industry would be the one that you would want people to kind of like, here's the thing that's going to like not fuck you over as a youngin coming into the space. Damn, it, it's it, oh, damn. I, I think I have two that actually kind of counter that are almost um, that are opposites of each other, sure. I think. Uh, so the one thing I'll say is that uh, humility, I think, is something like not that I've seen it very often, but I mean, I always appreciate it when because I was in that position of someone who kind of uh, doesn't think that they're hot shit because they're in the media room or because they have a certain interview or because they have a certain appointment or anything like that. And I mean, that's not necessarily something you have to like tell people, but yeah. I think that that's something that uh, new folks should be conscious of mm-hmm. is that like, okay, I, I'm here to do work. 
I'm going to do the work. I'm going to prove myself. Um, maybe this is just me like reflecting on justifying my mentality when I first got in the industry. Yeah. Uh, but I think I like to think that it helped me uh, like keep my head low and let my work speak for myself. Yeah. So the second thing I was, I was going to say is that at a certain point, and Ka, I know that you say this a lot, is that to know, know your worth. Mm. At a certain point, at a certain point, you need to kind of, you are going to be your best advocate. Yep. Like so many folks have helped me, you know, get exposure and things like that and have massive opportunities. But at the end of the day, you need to be your best, ad, your own best advocate. And so when you start to have build that confidence, build that repertoire, mm. have all that work behind you to be like, yo, I do belong here because I think a lot of people are going to have struggled with, uh, what is it? Imposter syndrome. And I still yep. do to a degree and I hell it did when I first started, but there's a certain point when you need to not necessarily get over that, but you need to in a way, try to conquer it. And mm. that's by knowing your worth and this is this has like I'm not speaking on CBS or GameSpot at all. It's just a thing. Like across the board, writers know this all too well. Is that we don't get paid very much relative to other professions. That's just the way it is. Yeah, uh, that's something that you accept, but it it doesn't have to be that way. And the only way that you can make it better for yourself is to again know your worth. Um, and it's uh it's a hard thing to think of because i still think like i'm like i said earlier i'm just happy to be here hmm. but at the same time i live in san francisco and i'm a writer mo mostly like the hosting stuff i do is because i like it and i'm good at it yeah uh but i don't necessarily like that's not in my um technical job description right uh, so at a, at a certain point you need to be like this is how much I'm worth and make moves based on that uh, and build that confidence uh, so you don't get stuck in the same place or you don't let bigger entities uh, take advantage of you because uh, that sucks, man. Like, Oh, yeah. Uh, and and it's, I, I wouldn't like point it on any one person or any one corporation or entity that's fucking it's capitalism in yeah. a way. I don't, I'm like I'm not gonna get into trying to take down a capitalist system and all that because I could go on about yeah, that. Yeah. But we need to have you on another mean. show specifically just for <laughs> yeah. that. I want to go on uh, and dig into that conversation. Let me radicalize the spawn on me, uh, spawn on me audience, please, <laughs> but, please. <laughs> but if you're gonna be here, you have to play the game, right? Right. And part of the game is standing up for yourself. Be like, okay, I did this, this, and that. I deserve to be compensated in this way. Yep. Um, because if you don't say anything, then good luck, bro. Closed mouth don't get fed. Closed mouth don't get fed. That is absolutely, absolutely true about that. But don't be a dick about it. Yeah, I mean, that's the <laughs> thing, right? It's like, like one of the things I've learned, um, and this is beyond just the gaming industry stuff, is like you you get to a point where you know your shit is dope. And you're like, oh, I've put in enough dope work that like it makes you mad to see people who aren't putting in dope work getting more shit than you. Yeah. And you're just like, I, yo, I, what I try not to think about it. I try, I try not, not to, to think about, about it too, because I because I because I know how that works too. And it's just like you yeah. you you will beat yourself up forever about that stuff. But I think that, you know, jumping off that point, which I think is super, super important, 
is every again like it, it, it showcases itself in all the work that you you in particular do that there is a level of professionalism there's a level of quality that i can see is not only coming from the mothership but coming from your desire to want to be better and your desire to want to be good at what you do and that's that's the thing that will push you super far um in in getting to the spaces that you want to get to um mm-hmm. before we hit the break i asked the internets for some questions uh okay. that they were going to hit you with uh so we're going to go through a couple of questions from the internet uh serious business asks uh we all know that you're a huge persona and hasume uh miku fan but what other games have you had what other games have had the biggest impact on your life so that's maria who's uh who's been a great supporter uh, for me, I just want to give a shout out to Maria real quick because Do I was down, I was down in the dumps late 2018. Uh, I'm sure she'll remember this, and uh, I had tweeted out to like some sad shit, and she hit me. I was like, "Yo, I can, I, I appreciate you." I can send a care package or whatever. I'm like, "Oh no, 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 don't please, no, you don't need to do that." Um, so I think think she's uh, overseas, and she sent me like a care package of like Nando's peri peri sauce and a bunch Ooh. of British treats, and I still remember that, and I love and appreciate that so much. Uh, so she's one of the real ones out there. Not there's a lot of real ones out there, but serious business. I salute you. So, word the question. I have <laughs> over the years. <laughs> I've been I've been very vocal about how much I love the Persona series and Hatsune Miku. The funny thing is, today the embargo lifted for the review of the Switch version of Hatsune Miku Project Diva Mega Mix, uh, and uh, I I don't need to get into that too much, Ka. <laughs> uh, but but things that uh, I that have really influenced me outside of the things that I'm very outward about on social media, I think. Going back to what I mentioned with Warren Spector and Deus Ex, mm. is uh, there were games that were a turning point for me in my life where I saw a different style of game that kind of changed how what I thought games could be. Deus Ex was one of them. I was like, yo, this is a first-person immersive sim, first-person RPG hybrid. And I was so engrossed by... like I didn't know about cyberpunk at the time. So it was one, it was my introdu- introduction to the immersive sim genre. Mm. Two, my introduction to cyberpunk. And three, like into a game where I had to think so hard in real time about the moves I made. I played it when I was like 12, so I wasn't that smart <laughs> uh, at the time. So it was, and it was also new to me. And I was just blown away by the storytelling because it was also the first time I consumed a very deep conspiracy-like story that takes place in the real world. Mm. Um, like I uh, I also played like Star Wars and Knights of the Old Republic and I played a bunch of uh, RPGs back in the day, which I'll also talk about. Yeah. But Deus Ex was, holy shit, this is portraying a world that is pretty much ours all the all the notepads all of the mm-hmm. all the locations all of the story beats are hitting on things that reflect our real world and i was at least old enough to realize that and so when like the whole conspiracy story unravels i'm like yo can this really happen in our world and it was such an engrossing story and i held that experience very dearly dearly for a very long time or well mm-hmm. still to this day uh really so the original deus ex is massively influences for massively influential for what i thought games had been um earlier than that though is what i'll say is that in the when i was like five six seven years old uh super nintendo 
was a console that my brother and I had. Yeah. And there were three games. My trifecta was Final Fantasy VI, which was called Final Fantasy III here in uh, North America, uh, Chrono Trigger, and Super Mario RPG. The reason why those games are so important to me is because when I was in kindergarten, first grade, uh, I was playing those games and not reading books. The uh. thing was, like, those are RPGs. And you need to understand text and read dial- a lot of dialogue and understand context clues for what to do next. Because those games didn't have waypoints or objective markers or even quest logs. And so, like, what do I do next? Well, I should have paid attention to what that character said to me in that previous cuts or that previous scene or whatever. Mm. I need to talk to these towns, town folks and understand what they're saying and think about what that means in the context of the world that I'm playing in. Mm. So I think that my reading comprehension was born out of playing those RPGs on the huh. SNES back in the day. Yeah, because like I, I, I eventually read books, <laughs> but <laughs> but that wasn't the thing that quote unquote like Pulled wasn't my practice. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't necessarily what taught me how to read. Uh, and that's wild to me, man. Like, because like obviously games back in the day didn't have voiceovers, right? So I was. You had to read everything. You had to understand menus and mm-hmm. what certain spell casting meant uh, and all, all that other bullshit. But <laughs> yeah, I think those are massively influential. I and then obviously it. today, it's uh, it's things like Persona and Yakuza that now floods my uh, my timeline. But but yeah, that's um, man, video games, dog. They have such a profound impact on our lives. Such a profound impact on our lives. Um, the homie Mary Kish asks, "What's a game that you like, which you don't really publicly talk about very much? It could be a, a guilty pleasure or maybe controversial, but a game that you secretly enjoy." Shout out to Mary Kish, who is Mary amazing. Kish. Speaking of people who uh, I looked up to before I got to Gamespot, Same. okay. Before I answer her question, I love going to tangents, <laughs> bro. You know this. My very first day, I sat at my desk. It was Eric Tay and Mary Kish were talking to each other across from my desk. So Shout I was, out to I was, Eric Tay, too. I was, yeah. Hey, I, I was, love like, Eric Tay, yo. It's my older brother right there. Yeah, I love that guy. I was like, yeah. I was like, at a corner of my eye, I was like, oh, shit. They looked at me and like, oh, you must be the new guy. It's like, hi, Mary. Hi, Eric. Y'all don't know me, but I know you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a weird thing to say. Yeah. It's like, okay, whoa, whoa. I, I've watched the lobby a lot. I, I know y'all because of that. Mm-hmm. Let me just preface with, with that. Uh, but Shouts out to Mary. She's definitely one of the most uh, helpful people in my career because she was pounding the drum for like, do your work, keep your head down, but at a certain point, know your worth. That's that's basically what Mary left us with. Mm. Uh, uh, a message that uh, she she kind of taught us through the years. It's been super helpful um, to be to kind of. She's helped us understand how to navigate such a complex industry, mm. and has had wild success and. Yeah, GameSpot has, yeah, it is great that she's been able to impact GameSpot in the way she has. So to her question about uh, guilty pleasures and stuff like that, you know, uh, not to keep plugging away at other people, but I think that I've come to embrace the things that I like, regardless of how, quote unquote, embarrassing they might be. Mm. Uh, I think I got that from Austin Walker. Like, uh, I think that I don't know when or what he said or if it was on Waypoint podcast, but uh i think i remember him saying like like what you like fuck it 
uh, who cares what other people think about that sort of thing? Cause there's a reason why you like it. And so I've been a lot less sh- ashamed of the things I like, like for example, like Hatsune Miku, which is like a virtual pop idol f- from Japan. who's a-, a Vocaloid. Like, yeah, I'm not embarrassed of that. I, I was at first, I was like, Oh, this is, this is weird. Like, <laughs> it's like f- fake anime character who's singing songs and all that stuff. But I'm like, nah, fuck that dude. Like Hatsune Miku's. <laughs> That's that's my girl, dude. I I can't wait to see her live on stage in hologram form. So I've been less like embarrassed of things, but things that I don't necessarily talk about uh, outwardly that I actually do enjoy and play a lot. I think kind of the well, everyone plays Call of Duty, right? Sure. Uh, but I'm not very like outward about it, and I don't necessarily get engrossed in it. But man, I play a lot of Call of Duty with the homies. Word. That is. That is my connection to my friends back home. Because oh. I remember like back in the college days, we would not be doing our essays. We would not <laughs> be fucking reading chapters in our books. We would be playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And when we stepped outside, we looked at the sun like, what the fuck is the sun, bro? Like, <laughs> I don't know, but that kill streak and that nuke you hit last, that was wild. Mm-hmm. That's what it's at. Let's do it. Let's run it back. Um, I don't really talk about like shooters uh, in that way unless it's counter-strike and stuff like that but call of duty has like a profound impact huh. on on me not just because like oh it's it's deep or whatever but the the social aspect to it and how it's such such a common thing like everyone plays call of duty like uh i i know you play and uh oh yeah there's like a bunch of people on my twitter timeline just like showing the call of duty highlights and uh yeah it's it's kind of been such a like a common ground that everyone can rally behind whether or not they like i love jrpgs and japanese games and yeah. other people like other kinds of games but we all understand call of duty and if we want to play hop on let's go yeah uh, so that's definitely something i don't really talk about but has uh i do enjoy in sports games mm. uh I, I i like 2k yeah. play a lot of 2k because basketball is my sport uh, I reviewed 2K19 uh, a couple years back, uh, and I was surprised by how much knowledge I've retained from the years of playing NBA Live, yeah, uh, and playing the 2K games back in the day, and playing Madden, because like cause those games like have more or less gotten a bad rap because they come out yearly and monetization and things like that. So they're yeah. almost, in a way, people see them as necessarily like bad guys or. Uh, not evil, but I don't know. It's it's not necessarily like this revolutionary thing, but I rock with them. Like I'll yeah. play some Madden, bro. Like I grew up with a lot of football. I fell on off football for many reasons, mm. uh, but man, I know these sports inside and out because I played so many of those games, man. So it's like sports games and Call of Duty, things like that. I don't really talk about, but they're definitely I I play them and I understand them. They've influenced me in many ways yeah i mean it's one of those weird things too where it's like of the genres that people in the especially kind of in the press side don't really give a lot of love unless you specifically like that's your beat yeah it's like sports and shooters in that way like people yeah. play but it is a thing where people don't talk about playing it as much as you know other, as much as like influencers talk about that stuff because it's like yeah. an easy way to be able to get that stuff there yeah maybe also it's like a kind of like a Everyone, common denominator, like we know that you play that, so you don't have to like tell people that you play, right? Or like talk about it, right? Right? So, right? Yeah. Yo, this is a fucking dope episode already. I am having amazing amounts of fun. We're gonna take a <laughs> quick break, 
everybody in Bracago, everybody at home listening, uh, chill out, listen to a quick ad, hang out, get something to drink, go wash your hands, go wash your butt. We'll be right back in two minutes. back this is the spawn of me podcast i'm your host Kali fathoms rocking with my man my metal the smooth kind of fellow it is michael hyam right here chilling from GameSpot. we're gonna get directly into the news of the week there is some dope stuff that happened in the past couple of hours for sure so first of all we have to talk about the footage that got dropped uh over there from our wonderful folks shout out to jeff Keeley. For a hot second, because Jeff Keeley <laughs> has one figured out a way to rebrand summer for one thing. Two, he, as usual, per usual, is getting all the goddamn scoops in the planet and pulling in all the things for Summerfest, Summer Games Fest that he's been doing. So it's been really interesting to see him um kind of move this format, which he is like figured out a way to just literally make E3 seem like it's never going to come back because he's kind of taking the spot right now. Um, one of the things that got shared, um, was it today or yesterday? I don't even know how days work anymore. But, <laughs> Me neither, man. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it was yesterday. Um, yes, they it was yesterday. Yesterday. They showcased our first glimpse of what some gameplay footage would look like from a PS5 in way of Epic's Unreal Engine 5 showcasing some bonkers, bonkers new stuff that they had coming for us. Um, I don't know how that thing is going to wind up working, but it is one of the coolest things I've seen in a very long time in terms of, you know, they had the Xbox One X, uh, Xbox 2020 conversation happen. And the kind of scuttlebutt after that was like, we didn't see anything that felt next gen yet. Right. We didn't see anything that kind of pushed the boundaries yet. And I feel like at this point right now, what they got a chance to show during this, 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 not even a presser during this kind of showcase has definitely given me a new ceiling to feel like we're going to hit and kind of break through. Mike, what are your thoughts about, you know, just what we are kind of witnessing with this new revolutionary kind of tech that they have coming through. I should have queued this at a different spot. I'm going to fast forward. <laughs> ha. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts about Unreal Engine stuff that we got a chance to see, uh, you know, little, a little over, you know, 24 hours ago? Oh boy. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts. 
because uh, my beat used to be covering tech and stuff. So I and I, it still still is in in some ways. So I've been able to keep up with the progress of graphics tech and all that. Yeah. Uh, especially with like the new ray tracing cards, uh, the RTX cards when they came out in 2018 from NVIDIA. Uh, it's like a lot of that stuff was revolutionary when it first came out on PC. Yeah. But these consoles have found a way to, or at least from what Unreal Engine 5 is showing us, is that the, they packaged it like the next gen tech in a way that's digestible, that's also easy for us to understand and it seems like it's going to be easier for developers to take advantage of it's going to take some like you when ps5 and xbox series x come out don't expect your games to be like this revolutionary visually but this is where they can go because the unreal engine 5 isn't going to be available till 2021 so it's going to take some time to get to that point but seeing this like the future is pretty bright for these kinds of things especially on console because for a long time, it's been about like, okay, I'm going to drop $2,000 on the dopest PC to get the best graphics possible. Yeah. But it's it's looking like consoles are able to bridge that gap between high-end PC and what we have now, especially like, I mean, none of it had to do necessarily with the SSD, but those are the kinds of things that are going to make new consoles f- feel like high-end computers that we used to spend thousands of dollars building and um you know it's again like i said it's going to take some time but ue5 is there are a couple things there i think there are two things that stood out to me the most yeah when they were uh showcasing uh unreal engine 5 so the first thing i'll say is that what they talked about in terms of impo- 3D artists importing assets into the engine and having mm-hmm. no compromises yep that might not mean that much to us but I do understand kind of the the implications of what that is. And I saw a few people on my Twitter timeline being like, yo, this is wild. This is a game changer for us Mm -hmm. because they don't have to think about when I make, like when they make their art, they can make it however they want. And it's going to be represented in a game engine the way that they want. They no longer have to think, consider compromises. Like they don't have to think about that uh, anymore. If, if Unreal Engine 5 is to work the way it is being presented as, which I don't really doubt because Epic and Unreal have been have had a really good track record. The other thing, too, is the Lumen light, uh, Lumen lighting stuff. Yeah. Is, uh, I mean, it's. I think that you'll start to realize it when it's put in practice, when you actually play a game that takes advantage of it, right. is how ambient light works. Because in many games, like, okay, I'll go into a dark cave or I'll go into this tunnel and it's dark. Oh, I need to use my flashlight. So I'm going to point my flashlight where I want to look or whatever. But with things like ray tracing and lumen lighting, it's that, you know, when you turn on a flashlight and dark ass room, Mm -hmm. you have like a ray that's shooting directly where the flashlight is pointed. But the rest of the room has ambient light because light bounces. Right. And for a long time, games just... haven't been able to do that because of technological like boundaries but here with things like this like we're seeing right now actually this is wild because it's not about like i need to point my flashlight at the thing i'm looking for it's now the room i can look at the room and see everything else that's going around and it's just obviously it's so much more realistic but um little things like this not necessarily like the the higher resolution or the the more detailed textures that are going to make games feel more photorealistic. It's things like lighting and uh, just the way environments react 
to lighting because that's been such a hard thing for games to portray because yeah. it's so computationally heavy mm -hmm. things that's why rtx cards have multi-core architectures yep. because these things are so hard for so hard for hardware to calculate that they need to make separate cores uh to calculate the sorts of things uh and now you know the technology technology is there so now they can do it i think it's a very good showcase uh but like i said at the beginning it's gonna don't expect like uh assassin's creed valhalla on right. series x or ps5 to be uh looking at like this level of uh of fidelity those games will it'll look great no doubt yep. uh, but in terms of like this specific technology it'll take a little while for games to take advantage of but man it's um going into the this next generation we're like okay games look great already like how much better can they look right this is the answer yeah like i think it's going to be and, and you you nailed it right it's like it gets more expansive right it, it gets it gets bigger um like the, there was an article that came out on i forgot which which um site it was and they were like um you know does this actually push games forward in any real way and and the answer for me is like absolutely like i see the stuff that happens in a, a game like dreams per se right and i stand dreams to to the end of the end of the planet um and thinking about what that means for a developer who is already thinking outside the box in terms of what they are trying to build and what kind of games they're trying to create for um for 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 consumers and it makes me just understand that like we're, we're really at this interesting inflection point where we've already gotten to pinnacles of pretty, right? We'll get prettier. Like we're, we're not going to necessarily hit uncanny Valley uh, layers of stuff. But I think when we think about, you know, what that means for developers and how that changes their workflows, like you might not need to necessarily go farm out your assets to, companies that are overseas anymore because you can use the assets that you currently are making within house to do that stuff. Or if you're still farming out your asset uh, uh, production, then you get to just go wild about what you're able to do. Like the things that you used to do that were busy work because they busy work. Mm -hmm, those yeah. things now you don't have to worry about. You can literally just then use that brain power and use that dev power to just make the game that you're hopefully wanting to make. So like that to me is the actual change in how things are going to wind up working with this stuff. Um, yeah. And alongside that, like it, one of the, one of the pieces of tech that I thought was really interesting, actually, that no one really gave a crap about, but I kind of, I kind of saw it coming was the conversation around, um, was the conversation around Quixel, right? So Quixel has been in the game for a minute um, and they have been doing their mega scans technology for a long period of time. Um, I remember when I first saw it like five years ago and was like, oh, this is going to be the thing that changes the way games look, feel and the environments that we kind of dig ourselves around. And then when it got bought out by, um, they got acquired by Epic, I was like, oh, they're going to do some real dope stuff with this <laughs> stuff. Cause I was like, they're going to use this in ways that we hadn't seen before. And then you saw that kind of play itself out with Mandalorian. Um, they had a really dope tech demo maybe two years ago where they basically were using real time car tech and had rigs on, on the side of cars 
to base to basically do full 360 video that's composited so like basically like you have your real car driving on a road which you can either have that real car or we can generate a car uh, a, a composite car in unreal that looks exactly the same yeah. as all the light textures all the light bumps all, the, all i mean all the light maps bouncing off of it in real time now and now with this new this new lumen system and uh the other uh the chaos system that they have uh, a chaos tech with that deals with deformation and all that kind of stuff like we have no clue of what's coming down on the horizon now which is dope because we yeah. literally don't know what people are going to wind up building going forward because now they have the tech to do whatever is actually in their mind and not compromise like yeah. I, i'm actually really more excited about talking to developers once they kind of dig into this space with this new tech going forward you know the folks who are going to use unreal or whatever version of unreal they're going to wind up using um do, do you feel like when you know you see stuff like this that it, it might even change the way that we kind of cover games in a way right yeah i i, I was just thinking that right now because i think this is the most clearly communicated uh or this is this is an instance in which this is the most uh clear, clearly communicated a new video game engine mm-hmm. has been to us they're telling us what the tech is doing like this is a premiere this is a everyone's eyes are on this and they are yep. demonstrating exactly why this tech is revolutionary so i think that the mentality is going to change in which we're like the larger public conscious is more aware of exactly what these game engines are doing. So I think that when there's so much untapped technology so far, because Unreal Engine 5 isn't out yet, mm. we'll be asking developers like, what is, what is it like? Has this helped you know crack down on how much effort it takes to create game environments? Mm-hmm. Also, are you leveraging these things to create different types of experiences? I know Jeff Keighley uh, was hitting those questions when he had Tim Sweeney and folks uh, yep. on the interview after this. Um, and it's very insightful, obviously, because they're, they're epic. They're the yeah. ones who have Unreal Engine. But I'm excited to start to ask the developers that once they get their hands on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like these, these games are going to look great. And once we get into the next generation, then I think that developers will start to get their head around it. And especially like independent developers, a lot of independent developers use Unreal Engine. Mm-hmm. So if this is going to help them cut down on how much work needs to be done to create game environments, but also giving them tools to create game environments, game environments that weren't possible in previous Unreal Engines, mm-hmm. like these are things that are going to be on our mind that we're going to talk with them about and we're going to eventually see. So uh, I, it's, you know, props to Epic for... I mean, say what you want about them, yeah. but their focus on making things so dev friendly mm-hmm. is, is, I think it's admirable. You know, it's it's not just like the revenue share stuff. Yeah. Like the way in which they're like, you know, you use Unreal Engine and we won't like charge you the, the, the royalties until you make it to this certain point. Or, you know, if you put your game on Epic Game Store, you'll get a bigger cut of this. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, that's really cool. But also their, their new engine, at least the way they're communicating it, is that they're going to make their lives easier. And if you know people in game dev, you know how difficult it is to make games. So anything that's going to make their lives easier, I'm all for. Yeah. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Uh, but I'm inclined to believe that uh, those things will eventually, like, come to fruition. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, man, it's uh, it may not seem like a big deal. Like, oh, I'm watching, like, a very high-fidelity demonstration of a of something that's not really a game but i think yeah. it's um it, it kind of paves the way for like it helps us understand where games can go for the next generation more so than like any cutscene, cut up trailer or whatever you yeah. know if it's in-game engine i think the cool thing about this reveal is that it was so technical yet so digestible yeah yep you know they didn't shy away from being technical uh and i think that's really important for kind of bridging the gap between like uh, folks who may not understand why we're why we need an, another set of consoles, uh, and like the technical minded folks who kind of are able to or have been kept up, kept up with this sort of thing for so long. Yeah, and the last thing before we before we move over, a thing that totally got glossed over in most of the coverage was that Tim Sweeney was like, "Oh, the SDK that will let you basically play across, or let you develop the tools to play across multiple platforms. We'll just give that away for free." Like, here we go. Here's, here's, you know, the funniest shit thing. is like, here, here's Tim Sweeney up in his apartment, like this, chilling, chilling with a little Popeyes chilling. drink cup, like with a like a broke ass Animal Crossing looking house, yo, or looking and, room, and right? he's like, like spitting out some boss shit, dude. This is boss like, shit. Yeah. I, li- I like Tim Sweeney. Wanna... Like, we got their back. Yeah, he's. It's fascinating. Like. Man, I, yeah, I would love to talk to him too because like everything that they've been been doing has been so uh, in tune with the things that people want, I guess. But yeah. I mean, there are a lot of different aspects to it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is at least for this itself, Unreal Engine Five, PS Five, and things like that. This is you. You might watch it and be like, okay, but um, it's it, there's a lot of implications. Obviously, yeah. it, it moves it moves things forward in a real way. Um, that, that that we can actually physically see and and, and notice. Um, one of the other things that wind up dropping in the past couple of hours, or at least in the past day or so, if you are a fan of Apex Legends, the new newest uh, champion has come out. Her name is Loba. She is right now my favorite Ooh. character in the game. Are you a big Apex fan? I am Apex. Hey. I've said this many many occasions. Hey. Apex Legends is the best battle royale has ever been. Yep. And I'm saying that as someone who used to play H1Z1 and the Arma 2 mods back in the day when oh, battle, wow. battle royale was just mods. And I've seen it, like I reviewed PUBG, reviewed uh, Fortnite battle royale. I've kept up with the battle royale genre for so long because yeah. I was a PC gamer. But this like Apex Legends is, oh, man, it's so, it's good. so good. It's so like, good. I don't know. It, it's they've if there's any necessarily any problem with like the battle royale style of game i feel like respawn has a solution they have something to implement that'll make it more fun that'll make it more inviting or make it more complex in some ways like they're so creative in creating the battle royale their version of battle royale and apex legends is like i said it's it's the best battle royale but for loba like my god dude. <laughs> i mean listen i'm just saying i'm listen, just saying I, i'm not saying i'm a sucio boy but sucio <laughs> loba's design is great yes um, I'll, I, I, honestly, I, you know what i'll take the bullet yo she thick 
Yo, that joint is dope. I'll take Q-U-E the bullet. Thick. I, I'll take the bullet. Yo, she thick. I was like, oh yo, get God. it, get it, get it, Loba. I'm not mad at it. I ain't mad at oh, it at all, man. Obviously, uh, there, there are inf- interesting conversations around uh, how uh, characters of color are designed. Yes. Um, especially with like Loba, I think that the obviously the interesting conversation will be to have it with uh, with women of color. Of course. Um, but I think that for like I said this like when we were debating about how to assess Apex Apex Legends in our game of the year yeah. discussions is that Apex's ability to create diversity in its roster without like so na- it feels natural in yeah. the way that they do it and I love it and I appreciate it. Gibraltar's my boy mm-hmm. uh, I love playing um, Crypto's my boy too mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's it feels so inviting that they have all these different heroes. Or yeah, these different legends that represent so many different things and just play so differently. And that's what that's for me. That's what makes Apex Legends so damn fun, man. Yeah. Like if you want to play Robot Boy, shit, play Pathfinder, or Revenant, man. Right. If you want to play your your K-pop star, man, like I do, I'm gonna play Crypto, man. Yeah, uh, it's super good. And su- and and besides Loba coming into the into the fold and being a new character, there was a really fantastic change to Mir- a couple of fantastic changes to Mirage who mm-hmm. yeah. for a minute was kind of low tier in terms of you know their kit and not really having a lot of cool stuff to be able to play around with. But playing some last night and getting the chance to basically, uh, when you res somebody, you go invisible. Yeah, cloaked, yeah. You that's, go cloaked. That's, that's crazy. It is clutch. Like, he, yeah. like it, is, it is one of those things that has moved Mirage into the meta super, super high right now. Like, I think people are still yeah. trying to figure out Loba's kit with the... You know, her ability to kind of throw a ring or her bla- a bracelet and then teleport to it. Um, I love the, the the black market thing, which is actually actually way more interesting than I think people uh, understand right now, especially when you've just gotten out of a fight because you literally don't have to go into boxes now. You don't have to go through death boxes. You can just go into her black market and yeah. all those items that were in that space, um, including drop pods, uh, once you open it, are now available in the store. You can only take two, but it is a very, very cool um, part of her kit uh, to be able to kind of dig through all that stuff. Um, Last story and last story of the episode for this week, we just saw literally as of today, this is Thursday's taping of the show. I can't front. One of my most anticipated games of 2020 has been Ghost of Tsushima. And they dropped a bombshell this week, uh, or yesterday, or I should say today. 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 <laughs> an 18 minute long game walkthrough of Ghost of Tsushima. I just have to hear your thoughts on this game because I've been waiting to chop it up with people about this thing. Yeah. Um, and it feels like everyone is kind of excited to, to play it. But I think this was the thing that sold it for most people. Yeah, because we, we actually got to see it in like continuous action. It wasn't just like cut up bits that we've seen before, which looked dope. But here it's like, this is what it looks like to sit down and play the game. Yeah. Uh, I was maybe a little bit, um, a little bit surprised, but by how like traditionally open world it is. Mm. But I think it's, it's the little things that, uh, that make this stand out for me. 
for one, we're, 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 we're in feudal Japan and like a lot of folks have been like, Hey, when's Assassin's Creed going to be in Japan though? Yeah. Like, I think that would be dope. This is, this is the answer to that because there's a lot of Assassin's Creed DNA in here, especially when you eventually like, and later in the trailer, you see how you go into, um, ghost mode or mm. when you, when you play as a ghost, cause they're so lay it out a little bit. Like you either samurai who's honorable and takes fights on head on, or you can be the ghost, which is like a more ninja Tenchu type that uses stealth uh, and things like that. That's an interesting dynamic there. I'm going to wonder how that actually plays out in practice. Um, but there is a lot of Assassin's Creed DNA in terms of like how assassinations work, how the mechanics seem to work, mm. what collecting things in the environment is, what crafting is like, how you navigate that open world. The one thing here in the footage that we're showing now is that I like this is that there are no distinct like pathing. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no pathing for your waypoints and instead has like that, that subtle wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how much that's going to change things up when you actually get your hands on the game, but it is a nice way of twisting that formula than simply following a line that goes to the objective that you want. And st- instead you're paying more attention to landmarks, what yep. the ground, like what the environment looks like. I think that's a really, uh, really fascinating thing that I want to see that I actually want to experience for myself, but man, this world looks, it looks incredible. Man. And it looks like, big. Like that's yeah. one of those things too, where it's just like when you don't have those, you know, those landmark, uh, th- those, those traditional, like here's your actual path to kind of, you know, ride your horse around and, and, and find stuff. It, it just kind of makes the space feel bigger in a weird way. Like I, I was yeah. actually kind of a little bit worried because I, I honestly, I like pathing in that way where like I need an objective to get to and I kind of need to know where it is because I have roaming syndrome. I have like squirrel syndrome and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I saw this thing over here. I got to go over here now. Oh, I saw that yeah. thing over there. That looked cool. I got to go over here. What this is going to wind up doing for me is like, it's going to make me actually want to explore a little bit more and kind of dig into, you know, the surrounding areas where, you know, usually those side quests that feel like they're super tedious might not necessarily do that because I'm kind of navigating to them in a, in a kind of more dynamic way, if that makes sense. Right. It's like, how am I getting to this thing? Because I was going here, but the literally the wind, it took me somewhere else or a bird took me somewhere or a fox took me somewhere else. Right. It it does remind me a little bit of, or a lot of red dead redemption Two. Yep. To where they make the world feel a lot bigger by putting less in it in a way, at least mm. from what we've seen so far is that there's open fields and there's not like that big city that you see out in the distance that you have to go to for your main story quest. Uh, it, it, it just makes it, I think it makes, it lets you soak in what the environment looks like a little bit more Yeah. Uh, because you are pay attention, paying attention to those kinds of things. Uh, I, I think that, there's a lot of traditional open world stuff that we saw in here. Like, okay, go to the shrine so you can get this and then talk to this person to get this. This is how you collect things in the environment. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think that's necessarily going to detract from the experience. Cause once you, once you get into the mode of clearing these things, clearing out Mongol camps or whatever, yeah. uh, it's like, this is, this is the good shit that you want. Uh, I'm, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Origins right now. Yeah. And I've kind of like gotten used to that formula of, okay, assassinate, then I'll get into fights a little bit when things go, go wrong. And then I'll clear out this camp or whatever. Yeah. But I think, uh, man, the, the, the dynamic between being a samurai and being a ghost is what's going to change things up a little bit more. And, uh, and the character customization and things like that. Uh, 
but man, I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes because a lot of it, the, like the cutscenes with the Japanese voiceovers mm-hmm. and like the, the samurai style of the way things are framed cinematically oh. and actually the, the actual samurai combat where it's not like, okay, I'm going to slash slash, uh, dodge, dodge, slash, slash, dodge, dodge, recognizes this attack pattern. It's like, no nah, dog, there's two or three of y'all standing there in the field waiting for someone to make a move. Yep. And it's like, okay, pause, boom, slash. Yep. Like it's yep. fucking bleach out here, yo. Yo, like, right? Is, yes. Yes. Like yes. the way they're framing these 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 mono mono fights is it's you don't really see that in open world because you want to give I imagine you want to give players a, like an easy digestible way to get through combat, but here it's like Bushido like I I had suspected that it's tapping into a little bit of the Bushido blade. Yes. But now that you are actually seeing it from like moment to moment stuff, it's like they are, they are, they are doing that sort and of thing. And that's the, that's the part that, cause, uh, uh, someone in the chat was talking about our friend Paris, Paris Lee over at Gamertag Radio was, uh, doing a live stream watch along of this earlier. And he was like, he felt like the AI was a little bit, it seemed like the AI wasn't smart when they were having those kinds of, um, specifically those, uh, uh, samurai moments where it's just like, everybody's kind of standing around and kind of waiting for that moment to, to kind of get into the fight. But if you remember, and you've watched a lot of those kinds of movies, like that's how fights were framed. You know what I yeah. mean? Like even when I think of, you know, my favorite, you know, Fist of Fury, you know, Bruce Lee in his, in his movies, you know, waiting and everybody's like, why is everybody waiting for this dude to fight? It's like, you're blocking, right? You're blocking the fight in a cool way. And, and they show it right now in, in some of the footage yeah. about just like, like press, press, press you, up you to know, go into standoff mode. Yeah. It's like so cool to kind of see like, all right, you know, I, I, here's the thing I do wonder, though, like, will those fights in that way get boring in a sense, right? Where it's just like, all right, I understand the timing well enough that I can get through this pretty easily. I'm hoping that they will, you know, uh, um, you know, spice it up a little bit by either, you know, giving you, of course, different enemies to fight, but also kind of changing up the timing a little bit on the way that yeah. you kind of have those fights go go together. I think, you know, I am I am very much like I want this to be my jam in every way possible. Like again, the the the, the way that they've got the customization stuff together um, looks really interesting because it actually affects the way that you fight. Um, and my thing before we before we dip out on this was when they started to talk about the black and white mode. I'm not gonna front. Like I am, I was like, they've, they've marketed this game as being gorgeous and pretty, uh, with their photo modes and everything else. And all those things being in the space, which I'm going to dig into because I love photo modes and games. But when they talked about the kind of cinematic samurai cinema stuff, that part, <laughs> I was walling out. Cause I was just like, yo, this looks so good. It oh, looks so man. good. Do you know how many goddamn hours you are going to spend in this game not playing the game? I know! <laughs> because photo photo modes alone already do that to me. Like, I want to take photos all the time in games. Yep. And it's it's kind of disruptive And if you want to, like, get through the game. But I enjoy it a lot. Now they give me, like, this, this way to play with it. And not just photos. Now we're creating our own short-form videos or cinematics. That's something that they emphasize in this 18-minute uh, demonstration. And this is just another thing to like get lost in and man, it's they, they did. A, I, what I'll say about this demonstration is that they did an incredible job of 
communicating a lot of the different features of why you should pay attention to this game, why it stands out, and things things like the samurai mode, man, the black and white mode. Dude, <laughs> this is so cool, man. Like, who thought of this? Like, I'm not kind of. I've never thought that I would play a full game in black and white mode. Like, and this is gonna wind up being one of the games that I actually do that with because it looks so good. It's just like, yeah so amazingly pretty and so and so beautiful man yeah i don't know it's gonna be good and it's coming out really soon so that's gonna be a whole two other months. part of the two months away like two months two away months i'm looking at the same like oh this is probably like a ps5 2021 games like no this is july 17th you're gonna be able to play this like, do you what? think you'd be able to wait and not play it on a ps4 and play it on a ps5 because we know it's we know it. it's gonna trans you know it's gonna transition oh over. yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm playing this day one. I'm, like, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not going to wait, man. I can't wait. Who knows if we will be able be able to get PS5s or like how what the supply is going to look like. Yeah, you know, that's I, true too. I, that's a I'll very good download. Point. I'll be able to download Ghost of Tsushima on July tw- uh, 17. So it's a, it's a very, very, very good point, actually. Yeah. You know what? That was the best point of the night, damn it. Don't <laughs> wait for stuff. Because you think it's coming. You never know what tomorrow will bring or if your joint will wind up not coming to you because it's still on the ship. Anywho. Anywho. My fam. Yo, this has been a phenomenal episode. I I know we've talked about making this happen for a very long time. We finally made it happen. But now that we finally made it happen, I have to say you are an amazing guest, goddammit. And also... I love the work that you do. I think you continue to push things forward. I think you continue to, to showcase just what it means to get it right and do it well. Um, and, and of course, I just wish you nothing but the best of, of everything that you touch because it always winds up being phenomenally dope. So thank you again for blessing us with your presence tonight. I, I definitely appreciate you a bunch. Thank you for all that you do, man. Thank you. Man. Like, yeah. So a lot of folks is inspirations out there too. Like, a lot of freelancers out there, a lot of people I work with. Shouts out to people like Callie Plaguey, yes. uh, folks, folks like that. Uh, blessing over at Kind of Funny. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of freelancers uh, that I've been able to connect with. There's a lot of people out here doing dope work, so shouts out to them. Uh, they're doing this thing, too, because we all support each other, and especially you, Ka. You're doing do great nothing. work out here, man. I suck. Um, I just eat bad watermelon and, <laughs> and try to, and try to, and try, and try to spread the... <laughs> Try to spend You're wrong for that. Yo, wrong I'll, I'll that. <laughs> I will die on that ship. I'll care. I'll care. I'll go down with that ship. Um, man, thank you again for for rocking. Let folks know uh, any other projects that you might be working on that you can share. Um, and again, like where people can find your stuff. Uh, sure. Uh, nothing I can share right now. Right now, like of what's upcoming, but I have sure. obviously uh, previous work. Last week, I did uh, interviewed uh, Jason Ronald, who's a chief engineer for Xbox Series X. Oh wow! Uh, I have a lot of I uh, dropped a lot of stories based on Series X from a technical perspective. So check that out. Uh, I just reviewed Hatsune Miku on Switch. So check out that review. I'm actually really happy with how it turned out. Nice. I feel like I'm getting better with my writing and my Persona 5 Royal Review, which came out uh, last month. Uh, 10 out of 10 on GameSpot. My favorite game of all time. Uh, I was able to review that, so you can check that out, too. And you can find me on Twitter at Michael P. Hyam. You can find work at GameSpot.com. You can find all of my coworkers' great work at GameSpot.com, too, because so many people do so much good work out there. So peep them, too. Word, word, word. Everybody give Mike mad love in the chat. Give him mad love 
on the podcast feeds. Give Mad Love over at GameSpot. Give him all the love because he deserves it. He is fantastic. And again, kicking ass, taking names in this mother sucker. Like I said it. Um, everybody, thank you again for coming through this week and every week for the Spawn of Me podcast. It means a bunch to get all these wonderful words that I get in my DMs uh, talking about the wonderful uh, feelings that you get when you get a chance to check out some of the stuff that we do. Um, it definitely does mean a lot and um, it, it means a bunch that uh, you listen every week and check it out and download it and please share it. We're definitely trying to get bigger in all directions uh, except for my belly because COVID is making me hungry and making me eat all the snacks in the crib. So uh, please, <laughs> please, please say a prayer for me or light a botanica uh, candle for me uh, and make it all happen uh, in the world of Bracago. So until then, much love to everybody out there. I hope you have a wonderful, safe week out there. Please make sure you're washing your hands, washing your butt. Stay away from people. Not six feet. It's more than six feet. 12 feet, damn it. Not six feet. And please, 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 if you need a haircut, just do it yourself. Get a baldy. It looks sexy. You can all do it yourselves. You don't have to get a whole bunch of people to get sneezing on your face and sneezing on your dome piece. So just, just cut it yourself. All right, y'all. Much love to you all. Peace.